Yes, and that's the key element. We can help you control the cost, understand what you're building, and work with you to get the house you want. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for episode 44 of the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. With me, as he usually is, because I drag him in here and make him talk, is the uh, president and founder of Landmark Home and Land Company, a company which has been helping people build their new homes where they want, exactly as they want, across the nation and worldwide since 1993, and that is my friend Steve Tuma. Steve, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I was just thinking of that introduction, builder homes. We're going to talk about smaller homes today. So these are... (laughs) Additional homes, guest houses. Yeah, smaller homes. That's it. Tiny homes. There's so much talk about that. It, uh, on our last episode, we spoke specifically about California building and, and building the uh, ADUs. Those, um, you, you, this is the accessory dwelling, dwelling unit is what we mostly talked about. But I thought um, it might not be a bad idea, and it sounds like you're up to it, if we broaden the subject and talk about like tiny homes and uh, and, and other th- guest houses um and what studios what studios Art studios and, workshops and what some people call as we as you uh explained to me the last episode granny flats so <laughs> i'd like to talk more about that so should we do that yeah it's, it's a it's a pretty interesting situation mm-hmm. um what, what's happening is a lot of people are building um, like a guest house on on their their land, mm-hmm. the zoning uh, will typically allow that in different parts of the country. So there's different purposes. Whether it's to move the parents in so that they can have their own home but still be separate. Uh, sometimes it's kids coming back. Sometimes it's a separate home office, an art studio, a uh, um, you know, like I mentioned, a different woodworking shop, mm-hmm. car restoration. Areas so there's a difference if it's a uh, an outbuilding like storage mm-hmm. or like a workshop compared to if it's living space. But we're getting a lot more people that are inquiring about these, especially with the tiny home movement after the economic crash. People are like, "How do I live affordably?" Mm. You know, and and sometimes living affordably means a couple generations move into one house. Maybe it's on one piece of land with two separate structures. Uh, depending on zoning, it could be different on are they actually separate structures or do they have a connecting wall? Um, See, some places won't allow a separate house on the same piece of land. Others will allow kind of a separate area as long as it doesn't have a secondary kitchen. So Mm -hmm. the main thrust of this, I think, is how how do you get another living space into a, uh, um, you know, onto a piece of land, whether it's if it's a a rental situation, short-term rental uh, for families, for home office, or whatever it may be. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole idea of tiny homes, but it seems to be kind of not so much vague, but there just seems to be such a variety, a lot of different ideas as to just what a tiny home is. So you're the guy to talk to. Can you give us like a, a definitive overview of what exactly a tiny home is? Well, that's the interesting thing. I don't know that there's an an industry-wide, you know, sharp definition of it. Mm -hmm. I think uh, tiny homes initially, you know, when this little situation came up, was like little 200, 300 square foot homes. And what Mm -hmm. people were doing is uh, getting around zoning restrictions by building a little house on on a trailer. Right. And getting it licensed as a trailer. Therefore, the building 
uh, codes didn't really apply. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty soon people got smart to it and said, hey, how's this little tiny home connected to water and sewer and what's going on with all these people on one lot and, and neighborhoods kind of went up in arms. So the, the evolution um, works out of how how do we take care of the overall situation mm-hmm. of get get people living spaces. So I think that the tiny home of, you know, a couple hundred square foot home, you know, using every single square inch in different ways, uh, it, it's evolved to what I would say is more of a smaller home, something mm-hmm. under a thousand square feet, because mm-hmm. I've, I've read some interesting situations in tiny homes and a lot of people are intrigued of what they can do in 200 square feet, but I don't know what their position is two years later. Mm-hmm. A husband and wife and a dog and two kids and 200 square feet. Uh, I talked to one person that built it, and they said, yeah, it's pretty cool. The only problem was we cooked a garlic dinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> the place was so small, everything smelled like garlic oh, yeah. for a week. It got in my clothes. So so sometimes there's these neat ideas, and then there's like, okay, how how do we we kind of fine-tune it? And then there's the reality of of space so everything's a little smaller mm-hmm. but you know there's a there's certain space that i think people become accustomed to so the the idea of a of a smaller home say under a thousand square feet sometimes there's restrictions for zoning or restrictions in the lot size or or whatever it may be as to how big this big or small this this um guest house can can be mm-hmm. so that's that's I, to answer your question, ten years ago, a tiny home was a couple hundred square feet on a flatbed trailer. <laughs> now I think it's evolved uh, because of zoning and reasonableness and what makes sense. There's also a situation where um, building homes is what I equate to purchasing milk. Mm-hmm. If you buy a gallon for four dollars, a half gallon is three fifty, but twelve ounces is a dollar ninety nine. There, there's a point where if you're putting, you know, we'll use a a bathroom is example. If you're putting a toilet, a sink and a tub shower unit, that's going to cost a set price, whether you're putting it in 300 square feet or a thousand square feet. So sometimes what people are realizing is, although it might be cool to try and cram everything in 200 square feet, Mm -hmm. the cost of making it 800 square feet probably really isn't that different. Right. You know, (laughs) so that, that, that I think is, is what's, uh, what what's happening i still got the visual of the of the garlic dinner <laughs> right i knew an old guy who was a friend of my uncle's who had a single wide trailer and he smoked oh my god <laughs> right well it's 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 a, it's a similar situation and it's just uh mm. it's just small um space i i thought the idea when they first came out was was pretty interesting you know hey use your living room as a dining room as a workshop as this and this and that and it's uh um it, it was a neat concept, but I don't I don't know the longevity of it. And sure. there's also just communities that don't allow it. Right. You know, they're they want to make sure that there's you know certain land use and and this kind of uh, affects the uh, the quality of the neighborhood and the values in the neighborhood and just the overall feel of it. Mm. Uh, as you know, I've always been fascinated by alternative types of building and 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 things like that. You and I had a great discussion once about. These people who take these storage units and make them into houses, and it ends up costing more <laughs> than if they built a house. And I was just uh, wanting to know, tiny homes, are, are, is it expensive to build? Is it what, What's the low down there? 
Yeah, well, you've got kind of two questions there where people take ideas. One of them's container homes. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, well, I bought this container for 2500 bucks. <laughs> right. I'm just going to put my house in there, and I've seen stuff. This man built this home for $2,500. Well, <laughs> the container costs 2500 <laughs> by the time you cut holes in it, put windows in it, you know, do all this other stuff. Insulation. <laughs> right. There, There's different challenges to, to what that is. And by the time you make it, you know, finish it as a home, I think people will find that the dollars are are there. It might be a unique concept. Mm -hmm. It might be uh, a different situation. But you ask about tiny homes, I'm going to blend it into smaller homes. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is when someone says, hey, is it less expensive to build a smaller home? I... You've got to kind of say, hey, what are you looking at? Are you looking at a generic per square foot number or are you looking at an overall budget? Mm-hmm. So in general, the smaller you build a house, the higher the square foot cost will be. Kind of like my example just a few minutes ago talking about a, a bathroom. Mm-hmm. If you have one bathroom in a 200 square foot home, that bathroom probably costs about the same as if it was in an 800 square foot home. But as you amortize it over 800 square feet, the cost per square foot is less. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, the, the milk cost that, that I described. But on the other side, if you build smaller, it'll be less dollars out. Oh, right. But there there's, I think, a point of you know diminishing return type of situation of, let's just say you could build a... A 500 square foot home for a price. Let's just put a value of X on it, mm-hmm. and then you you say, "Hey, I want to do a thousand, and it's 20 percent more or 30 percent more." Some people would say, "Hey, I'm better off building a thousand square feet yeah, for 20 percent more than 500 square feet." Now, those are arbitrary numbers depending on site conditions and a variety of details, but it shows the point that you when when people say, "Hey, is it less expensive?" What what are you looking to do? Mm-hmm. You know, because if if you have a big simple home, that cost per square foot will be considerably less than a smaller, very intricate home. Mm-hmm. So it's it, you know the you, we've always got to qualify when people say expensive. What what are they looking at? You mm-hmm. know how how do they determine uh, expense? Is it square foot or overall cost? You know the difference of going five hundred square feet to a thousand. Whatever it would be, but either way, we can work with them on designs and review the different concepts, so that our customer has an understanding of the, the elements of cost and how the, how different features affect the pricing of the home, and then they can determine what they want to do. Do they want to go smaller, more intricate? Do they want bigger with more space? You know, what what is it that they value? Mm-hmm. And then then we could work with them. Now we we touched on something on the last episode, which I wanted to expand on. Um, we were talking about uh, building these uh, ADUs with with uh, garages underneath. Well, let's go the opposite. Can you build a garage and then put a living space above it? How how difficult and how much uh, headache does that add to a project? Yeah, when we started, we we can do that situation, and sometimes the square footage of the living space uh, can be the same, and you could still have the garage below it. Mm-hmm. There could be little nuances in how square footage is calculated, but yeah, it, a lot of people are doing that because they'll have the space for you know the footprint available for a garage, and then they put on an apartment, home office, studio, kids coming back from college, parents moving in, you know, type type of living space. So that's that's 
becoming more and more common. People are trying to figure out how to control the housing costs. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a variety of different reasons. Like I mentioned, it, it could be the the parents moving in. It could be the kids coming back from college. It could be, you know, people need space because of a divorce or, you know, what, whatever type of situation that, that they would need living space. And a lot of people are doing it for uh, short and long-term rentals so mm-hmm. that they can create an income. And, and their property to to cover the cost of of living, and that's something that people are doing nationwide. Right. It's it's literally everywhere where we've worked with people, they they've had interest in doing this. Let's let's talk about restrictions from, uh, you know, like building departments. What if, what if my local building department won't allow me to build a, a separate living space for some reason? But but I still want to expand my home for a, you know a home office or a, a studio or something of the like. What what do what do I do in that situation? Well, what the point that you're bringing up is in some areas you can only have one home on the lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's restricted by space, but other times it's actual zoning. Other places they will let you put a separate house, like the smaller guest house in in the back that could Mm -hmm. be a a living space or studio. So sometimes when there's a restriction of you can only have one home on on the land, people are putting simple additions that just butt up to an existing home. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the additional living space. Now, there's little tricks of the trade type of situation here. When it's like that, they usually want to make consider it one living space, meaning there can only be one main kitchen. Uh-huh. So so you, you could have in this additional area, you could put like a kitchenette, a sink, a little refrigerator, but you can't have a stove. Mm. The stove seems to be the determining factor, so... Um, what a lot of people do is just ask us to design in a little kitchenette and, you know, we, we design it that way. And then, you know, what they do afterwards is up to them, mm-hmm. but that, that's how we've been able to do it. So that, uh, say it's a family member moving back in or a rental or whatever, it can be considered a, a, a separate living space. I would imagine that they're, they've really, the, the way that people are using appliances now, there are microwaves and, and uh, toaster ovens that are so advanced nowadays that if, if, it was the, if it was a matter of something like a stove, I think people would figure out a workaround. They always seem to. Right. I don't yeah. know exactly what they do, but they <laughs> call back and say, hey, Steve, everything's great. You know, my parents moved in. <laughs> right. You know, and they're, they're happy and uh, you know, <laughs> so, so, somehow it comes together. So we've got to work with them, uh, to, you know, to make sure that the plans conform to the guidelines of the, the building department and zoning and guy looks out his back window and mom and dad are out there barbecuing and they've got a fire pit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who needs a kitchen? <laughs> that That's actually happening more and more with, with the lifestyles. Kitchens are, they're not just, uh, you know, a formal place to cook with a formal dining room. It's becoming mm-hmm. more of a, a pass through on the go type of situation. More and more people are doing peninsulas or islands. Yeah, where dining people rooms. Can dining rooms seem to be taking a back seat to islands nowadays. Yeah, basically, yeah, and they're becoming game rooms or big great rooms or mm-hmm. big TV rooms. So, uh, yeah, we're flexible. We'll what, figure out a way around it. I wonder if that's just from a from a societal 
standpoint. I wonder if that's a good thing that that people are are moving away from dining rooms and actually just everybody's in the kitchen. I think it's kind of a good thing actually. It's not less formal and everybody's the family's just sitting around. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you know every family's going to work a little differently with dual incomes, different different situations it, it works um i think overall whether it's a recreational property and everyone's going kayaking or fishing or mm-hmm. whatever they choose to do it's it's becoming less formal mm-hmm. um and even if people aren't more active they're more home centered mm-hmm. um the the dining room is if it's there it's it's getting to be smaller and smaller with the exception of people that have large families and you know for the birthdays the holidays uh, right, they yeah. they want to have a layout where 20 people can show up, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes it's, it's a great room that somehow furniture gets pushed to the side and big <laughs> tables get in there and, and it goes. So mm. that that's the neat thing about it is whatever someone wants, we're, we're able to work around it mm-hmm. to, to, to get a design. And sometimes that's what's happening with these smaller homes. You know, the, the people still want to have their own individual space to have their own privacy, but they're still part of the family group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people get together, they want to know that there's space for everyone and, and, and everything uh, works out well. Yeah, we're human beings. We're adaptable. It's not quite like the cockroach, but almost. <laughs> right. Hey, we did one house a while back mm-hmm. where the guest house was actually for their animals. <laughs> well, yeah, they, yeah. They, want, they wanted a separate, you know, <laughs> place for their dogs and their cat. And, you know, right. it, it was like a separate little playpen. Um, so, you know, whatever goes, we, we, we can figure it out. And let's, let's talk about, uh, something I got in my notes here, an accessory building. Now, what's the difference? I mean, is an accessory building the same as a guest house or the same as an ADU? What Run that down for us. An accessory building is more like a storage place, uh, sometimes a home office or a, a studio or workshop would be more of accessory compared to guest house kind of thinking the guest house has a, it's a living space, Mm -hmm. a kitchen or kitchenette, separate bedroom, maybe one open bedroom, bathroom type of a situation. Um, But we're able to work with uh, people in different situations because sometimes zoning will allow an accessory building, Mm -hmm. but it won't allow that to be living space. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So depending upon what, what people are prioritizing. So the point that I'm getting at is if someone wanted a separate, say art studio or home office, you don't necessarily need a kitchen in your office or, sure. or a separate bathroom. You just need a, a distinct spot to, to work on your projects. Mm-hmm. So we're able to work with people in different situations. And sometimes it's just a matter of how zoning uh, dictates things and what that zoning will allow. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's the key to it. Uh, the accessory building is, more just space where the smaller home, tiny home, guest home, um, is, is considered be living space. Hmm. Well, a guy like me, like I, I'm not married, I don't have kids, but so I don't need a McMansion, but can I build a smaller home and control the cost and still kind of get move, you know, a, a place that I move in and I really enjoy? Yes. And that's the key element. We can help you control the cost, understand what you're building, and work with you to get the home that you want, whether it is a McMansion or whether it is a small home, mm-hmm. a home office, a guest house, ADU, whatever it is. That's the key is we can work with you to get the house you want. Oh, let's see. That's that's everything. And this this question kind of that kind of leads into this. But uh, 
We had talked before about you know being a, being able to uh, adapt your design even for a small house to make it kind of even more cool or more fun. So, can I dress up like a mini house, a mini home, so that it looks just fantastic on my land? I, you know, I don't want it to look like a modular. I want it to be something kind of unique. Is it is it adaptable that way? It's very adaptable because we're able to come up with a design that you want as far as the general structure of the home. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like? Is it simple with four ninety degree corners? Does it have corners? Does it have a steep pitch roof? We can design the the guest house, the smaller home, to be exactly the way you want. Sometimes this gets involved with. The finishing materials, the architectural details, the types of windows, setbacks and walls, roof pitches, we can work all those details. And then also on the inside, you know, do we put lofts in there? How tall are the ceilings? You know, just get the general feel to be tuned up exactly the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Any Anything when you guys have designed uh, smaller structures, small smaller living spaces, have you run into anything that's just completely like... So cool that, you know, <laughs> yeah, who thought of this? I mean, I'm sure you guys get some pretty, pretty interesting uh, uh, adaptations to your own designs. People must, people are really, really artistic and really, you know, the average person can come up with some cool ideas. I We've had a bunch of people do a variety of things. I, I spoke once about the lady, it was her retirement home in Arizona where mm-hmm. the wife was just in a cooking pies. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to have her kitchen exactly one way only with windows <laughs> overlooking the yard so she could see the grandkids and the family running around. Right. We've gotten into man caves. And that's, you know, that's whether after my own heart. <laughs> right. Whether they're detached unit spots in the basement. And like we laughed about once, you know, urinals and man caves, you know, mm-hmm. d- different situations like that. But and I don't know that this has really been labeled. There's almost like kid caves. That's been something where where people are finding spots for their kids, uh, rock climbing walls, mm-hmm. little loft areas and ceiling areas where they have their own little spot where they can crawl up there and have their games and and you know kind kind of work and then uh, slides coming out That's <laughs> from awesome. the the, the That's upside the you know the the these kind of hidden areas. So we've run into that. Uh, we've had people put safe rooms in their houses. We've also had hmm. people uh, put in their own speakeasies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, you push a button and like oh, the, yeah. the cabinet spins around and then there's some <laughs> some situation like that going in. Um, we've had people that are into equestrian properties work on different type of, I don't want to call it a formal tack room, but they can come in from working with the horses, clean up and not bring all the mud and everything into the house. We've had people have pet rooms, um, some of them where they've got their own little tub showers type mm-hmm. things to take care of dogs. Some of them literally a pet room. <laughs> In one case, it was one third <laughs> of this house. I was asking them, what are you guys doing? They just had a big like couple <laughs> glass walls looking at this the, the end of this house. Mm-hmm. They said, our cats are our kids. So they built this little internal jungle. Oh, cool! And, inside, and it was almost like a zoo, you know, where you look through the glass or the bars into mm-hmm. into the uh, to to the animal space. So there's there's a lot, a big situation with that. A lot of people are getting into uh, um, audio or home theaters, mm-hmm. 
And then there's also situations where people are working on different hobbies, where whether they're they're creating their home uh, studios for audio and video work, or it's crafts or or woodworking situations. Mm-hmm. Another thing is as we help more and more people that are doing uh, their retirement homes, it's just locating the house properly to take advantage of the view. You know, if they're waterfront or by a, a mountain that they want to take Man, advantage. nothing wrong with that. That's great. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of work on site, you know, make sure windows are right so someone can see out. So um, I guess you asked a question and I kind of rambled on for a little while. <laughs> you know what? It, it's okay because what, I, what I've been doing that whole time is dreaming about, man, if I could just have a urinal and a fireman's pole. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be happy. We actually did that in a house once. I, I joked with the people. They're like, oh, where do we stick a staircase? I'm like, we'll put a fireman's pole. The guy's like, really? <laughs> yeah, so so uh, we, we've we've done situations like that. And then, then other stuff, uh, kitchens. People mm-hmm. get into some, uh, you know, big gourmet kitchens if, if they're really into cooking. So mm-hmm. now, now that we started talking about mini houses and tiny houses and we've got man caves and slides <laughs> and rock climbing walls in here, I guess, I guess we're back to talking about, uh, you know, re- regular size houses. But the, the point is, e- even with a smaller home, mm-hmm. you can still do stuff like that. If, if you wanted a rock climbing wall for your kid, it could still be done in a little house. If you mm-hmm. wanted a, a little loft for a little kid's cave up there, you can do it. If, if your, your uh, ADU or guest house needs to have a certain view, you know, we could work with that. Or sometimes you want to avoid the view. You don't want bedroom windows looking in a bedroom windows. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we, we can work with people on that. So, um, the general concept of you know landmarks ability to pay attention to what you're looking at mm-hmm. and what you want and help people put together it it's what we desire to do and that's that's the really fun part of all of this awesome well folks that about wraps it up for us today that went by really quick we're we've been having some some good good discussions on the podcast and sometimes they're a lot of fun today was a lot of fun for yeah me. i hope uh, listeners enjoyed it it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting stuff to talk about some some families decide to build right away some <laughs> families decide to think about it for a little while either way we, we can help and put in a fireman's bowl <laughs> so, <laughs> before we go as as we like to do on the panelized prefab kit home building show we uh give steve a chance to let the listeners know how to get a hold of you guys over there and your great team at landmark home and land company so give us the lowdown on uh, what's the best way to find out more information and to and to reach you the best way is to look at our website at lhlc.com. That's kind of the initials of Landmark Home and Land Company, lhlc.com. You can email me directly, Steve Tuma, at landmark at lhlc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call. Uh, Mike will answer the phone. We answer the phone. If for some reason you do get our voicemail, please leave a message. We will call you back right away. We are proactive. We are attentive. We want to help you. But that number is 800-830-9788. Again, it's 800-830-9788. You can also see us on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. And we'll we'll do whatever we can to to help a a family decide what it is that they need for their new home. And there you go. So, for Steve Tuma and myself... We want to thank you all once again for listening in. Be safe out there, people, and happy building, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night.